Welcome to today's podcast by Preacher, as he provides sound teaching on the pure and undiluted truth of God's Word, with life application that inspires you to live a holy life pleasing to God. We pray that these teachings will inspire you to live out your faith daily with confidence, be assured of your salvation in Christ, and God's unconditional love for you. In the book of Hebrews, the 11th chapter, Beginning with the first verse, you will find these words so written. And this is a chapter that we refer to as a roll call of faith. And the writer is saying, Now faith is assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the men of old received divine approval. By faith we understand that the world was created by the word of God so that what is seen was made out of something which do not appear. By faith Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he received approval as righteous, God bearing witness by accepting his gift. He died, but through his faith he still speaking. By faith Enoch, who had taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him, now, for he was taken, he was attested as having pleased God, and without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, took heed and constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness, which comes by faith. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place which he was to receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was to go. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked forward to the city, which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful, who had promised. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven, and as innumerable as grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith not having received what was promised, but having seen it and greeted it from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Lord, help us to understand what we have just now read from thy holy word. A fantastic trip can be. Keep in mind this statement, the ninth verse of the 11th chapter, where the writer is saying, By faith he sojourned in the land of promise. Well, there's not a one of us here this morning what doesn't seek with all their heart and soul to be able to live and to be able to have life and to have it in the way that God intended it to be, to be completely full, rewarding, and meaningful. 
with heights and depths and widths to it. If that were not so, we would not be here this morning. We would be as convenient for us to be somewhere else or in some other place. But we do have this seriousness about life, and we have this desire to be able to live. And so we are here together this morning to worship a living God. But uh, here again this morning, it's not something that we drag up from the past to take a look at, but it's something that can be as livable and as creative and as dynamic as the, the very hours that you and I find that we're in uh, this morning. Not too long ago, I was in one of our older churches here within the conference and happened to be in one of their fellowship halls or one of their conference rooms. I noticed on the wall that they had a plaque like we have of our scouts, sort of, and in fact, when I first saw it, I thought that's what it was. And so in one of the breaks, I went over and looked on the wall and saw this long, big plaque up there with, with some names listed down under it. And I think it was 21 or 22, I've forgotten now, and read the names and read what it said about uh, these men. About the names of these men were listed there from the Second World War. And it had either all of them or it had a star by them, I've forgotten which now, but anyway, they're the men that served, and some of them gave all that they had. And that is, they gave their life. And this was placed there on the wall in memory, in honor of those men who served and risked or even had given uh, their very life for the cause of their country and for freedom. Now, we can appreciate that and respect that and think that's the thing that should be done. And folks, that's exactly what this writer in the book of Hebrews is doing. He's going back and he's thinking back through time, just like that church that had James and Tom and George and Ed and had the list of them there. Well, this is what this man is doing. And this is exactly what he did. And he goes back and he thinks about Abel and he thinks about Enoch and he thinks about Noah and he thinks about Abraham. And it's always interesting to me that when I read this, to notice the comments and the editorial comments that this man has to make in relation to these people who have lived before him and who have meant something to him and has been an inspiration down through the ages to men and women just like you and me here this morning. Notice what he says about old Abraham. And folks, I want to tell you, old Abraham discovered something, whether we know it or not, about a way to live. And I want to tell you that to really enjoy this fantastic trip and to be a part of it in life the way that you ought to is come to view it like this man is saying, in which we know because we read the life of Abraham too in the Old Testament, to know how he approached life and what he really thought about it. And this man is saying that uh, the secret as he saw it in old Abraham's life was by faith he sojourned in the land of promise. Now I want you to notice that word sojourn. In the Greek there's no other way to translate that word outside of the fact that it means that uh, this person is in a place and he considers it to be only temporary and he's moving on. Now that's the way that this man saw the way that Abraham had approached life. And folks, we could do no better than that this morning. Now what does that really mean to us this morning as we think about our day and our time and our hour in which you and I are living at this time? You see, it's very difficult for us to believe that we are not a permanent fixture here upon the face of this earth. Now I know that if I could sit down logically with you and we'd talk this situation over, you would agree, of course you would, well, that's so we're not. But then in this approach that we make to life, the way we go about living, it says everything but that. It says right the other way. It says that we are living in a way that the old Abraham uh, did not and would not approve of. 
Now, it's what it's really saying that, you see, old Abraham considered his life in such a way, though he lived to be much older than any of us can ever expect to be, that he considered himself in such a temporary situation that he did not take time and had not the time to build himself a permanent home. Now, that's what the scribe is saying, you see. Call this to our attention. But he lived in this land of promise. Notice that it's the promise that God gave to him, and, and old Abraham knew he was in this land of promise, but he still knew that he was only going to be there a short period of time, though he lived a long life, and it was suitable for him to just to live in a tent. Just to live in a tent. He was just passing through. But we think that we're going to be here for a long while. A long while. Not too many weeks ago, I happened to be visiting a friend of mine, and he was building a patio out of redwood and a redwood fence around the back part of his house. And I was sitting there talking to him and picking up one piece of the redwood. I couldn't help but think about an article that I read not too many months ago about the great redwood trees out in the western part of this great land of ours and how big they are and so forth and given the history of them. But one thing that struck me as being interesting, and that is the writer said that these redwood trees are the oldest living thing upon the face of the earth. And if I didn't read that article wrong, I think he said that these trees, some of them we know to be as over 2,000 years of age. When our blessed Lord here was walking upon the face of this earth, they were alive and growing in this great and wonderful land of ours. 2,000. Well, now you think about your life in relation to the redwood tree, and I can more perfectly say, well, maybe the redwood tree does have a claim of some kind being a fixture upon the face of this earth, being able to live 2,000 years. But what about you and me, when we can hardly count to, to 100, a fraction of that length of time? And we think about it in relation to even the redwood trees. Folks, we're going somewhere pretty fast. We're going somewhere pretty fast. And then... Sometime this week, the countdown is, and they're going out in space again. I think about space, and it boggles my mind. There's no way that I can get a hold of something being without an end to it. I just can't get a hold of it. No human brain can. To take off and go out through space here, and you can go as far as you can count, and then you keep on going, you know, going. There's no end to it. And God has scattered the stars and the planets out there. And we can simply tell us they've been there for billions of years, upon billions of years. Now in relation to the stars and the planets and this universe that God has created, and you think about the split second that you have here in this universe of his, it is only a split second, friend. It is sort of like the writer of the book of Psalms. You can find it within the 90th Psalm and the 103rd, where he speaks about our life as being like the grass coming forth beautifully and green in the morning in a flower. But before the sun goes down, it's withered. Time has passed and it's ready to be cast into the furnace. Or it is as a dream or as a sigh. Or as one says, and also in the 103rd Psalm, as a wet match. Have you ever tried to light a match and a thing will just smoke and just won't light? Now that's what he's talking about. And so within an instant, it's over and it's gone and it's finished. This is the length of your life and my life. I don't think we have to labor the point for us to decide this morning that in relation to God's creation, and we are the highest thing in all of God's creation, and we're told that and we believe that and we know that to be so. We don't guess about it at all. We don't even debate the situation. And then to think that in relation to all of his other wonderful, marvelous things that he has brought for us to be part of and to be knowledgeable of and to think that we are only here 
for such a short period of time. That's the beginning of wisdom. The beginning of wisdom is, the wisdom writer found it a long ago when he said, let us number our days in order that we might be able to plow hearts unto wisdom, and that's precisely, precisely right, you see. And when we forget that we're here only for a short period of time, when we forget that we are traveling somewhere at a supersonic rate of speed, uh, we begin to do things that we ought not do. We never give these souls of ours the attention that they need in this life. We just won't do it. If you think that you, you're going to have time and time and more time, uh, then you have a tendency to neglect some of the most important things of your life. You will not give the proper time to prayer. Got plenty of time for that. You're not going to give the proper time to meditation. Church going to you is going to be sort of an off and on type of situation. I really go when I want to. And if I don't feel like going, I'm not going to go. If I've got something else that I think is better to do, I'm going to do it on a Sunday. And we come up with this situation. You work six days a week and try to get ahead in this cold, cruel world. And some said, well, preacher, the only time that I have the rest and take it easy is on a Sunday. And, folk, I agree with that 110%. There's no question about it that we wear ourselves out from sun up to sundown and into the night to trying to get ahead. But I want to tell you something. That's exactly what I'm talking about. When we think that we're here for a long period of time, and we're not going to give consideration to the places where we ought to give consideration to it. It's just as simple and just as plain as that. One of the things that has come to me down through my ministry has been people that I know wanted to do better. And I'm thinking about a couple right now, just the finest people as I've ever met within my life. He was so busy he couldn't come to church maybe once or twice a year. And she was so busy she could only come about maybe once a month. And folks, they were busy. There's no question about that. They had their own little business. And to do that, you just have to get up and go. You just can't do that and be lazy. That's the way that it is in, in our society. You see, but I got a call one morning and said that her husband had just died with a heart attack. Oh, I'm quite sure that if he had known that his time was that limited, that he would have given consideration to something else. And he'd lived in a little different way. But see, we don't believe that, do we? I mean, we just know that we've got time to do all the things that we want to do, and then we'll get around to tacking on our religious part of our experience at a later time. Well, hope you just might, but even at best, it's going to be pretty close. And you see, we will give far too much time to securing these things that we think that we've got to have in order to be able to live. Now, folks, I'm not talking in my soul more than I'm talking mine right now. Because I share this world with you, and I share this life with you, and I know what can happen. I remember a man down at Brandenburg. How could I ever forget this man? He was a man that was sent into our state from out west somewhere, forgotten where, and that big construction company that had constructed part of the old Matheson Chemical Company down there. He was there for a couple of years. And he started coming to the Methodist Church. He'd never been to church before that, and he, he started coming to church. And I remember this, this man, when he was about the two weeks before he left, uh, he asked me to come over to see him and I went over and sit down and talked to him and I'll never forget what he said because I've heard it said so many different ways but saying basically the same thing and he said preacher he said you see for a long while for a long while he said I thought life was that a man have a physician and be able to make a great salary and be able to buy anything that he wanted and have a great home 
and all these things, and that was life. He was a large man, as large as I am, and an outdoorsman, and sort of a rough-hewn type of a fellow. Oh, but I loved him, and he was a great guy. And he looked straight at me with those steel blue eyes of his, and he said, Preacher, he says, that's not what it's all about, is it? He says, that's not what it's all about. I said, my brother, you're right. That's not it. If that's all you have, you have missed it. You have missed it. Why does it profit a man if he gained the whole world and lose his only soul? You know, that's not it. That's not what it is. Right before conference, I went in one night after visiting. The wife said, Bishop called. That's what I thought she said, you know. What she really said, the bishop's wife called. But at conference time, you know, when the bishop called, man, I just froze. I, I didn't hear the rest of it at all. I just heard the bishop called, you know. And I thought to myself, oh, my goodness, what is in the basement of the parsonage over there? Take a Big Mac truck to move all my goodies out. Now, if you looked at it, you would say that it's junk, you know. But to me, it's my lifetime's accumulation of goodies. My wife blindfolds herself every time she goes through. Well, anyway, I thought about that immediately my possessions. What is it within us that prompts us and encourages us to build a situation around us here upon the face of this earth as if we were going to be here as long as the redwood trees? Now, if you're going to be here 2,000 years, I think you ought to get busy and build your something for a while because you're going to be here a while. But when you know that you're only going to be a fraction of that time, you see. And then we mistreat our fellow man. Oh, it's so easy to do that. My goodness, in this way of trying to get ahead, trying to get ahead in this world, we abuse ourselves, we abuse one another, we abuse our time, we abuse our opportunities, we neglect them, we're forgetful, and in this mad rush out here trying to make for ourselves something to secure us here for a thousand years. We treat one another as if we didn't exist, we ignore one another. You know, folks, I want to tell you something. I believe this with every bit of my soul because I'm getting on there now and I know pretty much what I'm talking about. But you know something? Any time that we really make up our mind that we really want to see people brought into the kingdom of God and we really want to see people activated, you see this congregation right here, those of us here this morning, we know full well that each family of us could go out and bring in in a week's time one other human being that's unchurched if we wanted to. We could. But we don't see it as that type of a serious situation, you see. We don't see it quite that serious. I remember, oh, how I remember. It's one of the shattering experiences of my ministry, really. It didn't seem like it at the time. But over at the other church, over at Butchel, that big, beautiful church. Oh, it is so pretty. When I was there, we had 1,200 members in that church. And we had some great programs going in that church. And you know, right across, a little to the left, of the church is a maybe a 50 to 100 acre field open field and a young man was in our community about 16 years of age lived right across in front of the church might as well stay right on the church's steps and that young man took his father's shotgun walked out in the middle of that field and pulled the trigger and blew his head off or half of it about three days later they found him there right in front of the church and we who were in the church on that Monday night, when he discovered, I think it was on a Sunday, we were in a session of the official family of that church. And there we were, debating or not whether or not to what we were going to do to extend the program of that church in the community and what the cost would be. 
And I call the attention of the board to what had happened just a few days before on a Friday or Saturday. I've forgotten now. And so we decided we'd go into the sanctuary and we'd pray for ourselves, we'd pray for the family, we'd pray for everybody. And that's exactly what we did as a official family church. We came right back into the session of the official board and picked up in the argument where we had left off. Making no difference to us at all. And I was part of it. What is God trying to say to us about being so indifferent that we would let one person come to the place that is within our reach and within our situation where that we would let them think that life was so unimportant and so terrible and so bad that they'd pick up a gun and blow their brains out. Seemed to me to have been a symbolic thing, tragic thing, to trying to tell us as a church that we forget who we are and what we are and what we're called to be. Now, folks, there's not a one of us in our right mind and we think about all the things that we've got to do want to start another program or do anything else around this church that demands of us to give more or to spend more of our time. But I want you to see what this man is saying. That old Abraham and his descendants knew that even that God had promised him this land that he was in, that he was a sojourner, and that means he was just passing through a temporary situation. And he was so sure of it that he was willing to live in a tent in order to get on uh, with the work of the kingdom of God. And he said if he wanted to, that they could have easily gone back into the land where they were from. You see, they, they had an out. They could have gone back, but they didn't go back. Now in closing, when we remember, oh, but when we remember who we are and what we are and what we've been called to be, then we're ready to enter into life and to have it in the most fantastic and the most wonderful way that you ever dreamed of. And I want to guarantee that to you this morning. You see, when you know, folks, when you really know that you belong to God and that he's taking you somewhere pretty fast, you think that these astronauts out there sailing around this earth pretty fast, well, they're not going to have as fast as you are in life in relation to God's other creations, you see. And when you remember that, you know, life begins to make sense to us. And that old song, and that this world is not my home, I'm just passing through. If heaven's not my home, oh Lord, what will I do? Well, you know, you may not like the tune, but I want to tell you the theology of that is superb. It's right on target, you see. Right where it ought to be. Now, when we remember that we are just passing through, you see, we don't need a lot of things to make us happy. Oh, no, we don't. Not really. Not really. We don't need a lot of things to make us happy. And then we will have a lot more time to do the things that we know that we ought to do and the things that we really want to do. The things we really want to do. You know the things that I have discovered about life, and it's interesting because it took me a long time to discover this. I remember years ago when I was at Brandenburg, the family decided to build a house down on Rough River, and so we went down there, and I went down once a week for about three summers and worked like you wouldn't believe, one day a week, and just worked and came in tired, weary, and worn out. And after we got that thing built, beautiful situation. Would you believe within the year it's been, they just sold it the other day. And I haven't been down there in 15 years. I discovered something. It was in building it where it was wonderful. I go fishing when I have an opportunity to, once a year. Planning to go to Canada. I got out all the fishing equipment yesterday. Going to catch that big one this year. Well, I've got sense enough to know now that half of it is in the planning. Planning. Making plans. 
Now when I come to a place to know that this world is really not my home, that God's got something else better for me, it's wonderful to make our plans and to live them out right now for what is yet to come. And then we can see the beauty of this day. Oh, we don't plan completely and totally for the future. My goodness, what a beautiful day this is. We can see nature. We can hear the birds. We can see people. We can see the beautiful, wonderful things that they do. We can enjoy this hour. Life is not postponed for something that is yet to come. Life is right now, beginning right now. It is right now. We know the Lord right now. You have been saved eternally right now. Eternal life for you has already started that believe in Christ. What a fantastic thought. What a fantastic reality that is. What freedom that will come to your heart and to your soul. And you can have the time and take the time to reveal truly the greatness of your heart and your soul. Now see, if you really know what Abraham knew and what this writer is trying to tell us, you see, you will have time to be the truly wonderful person that God has called you to be. I told you about my friend just a year ago. He had the position of driving these big car homes. Some of them cost nearly $100,000. He drove them from the West Coast back through here and all up wherever they wanted to deliver them. Well, he came through here two or three times, but one time he came through here and had this big, beautiful home, and he wanted to show it to me, and I looked at it and thought it was beautiful and all that sort of stuff. But what he told me was interesting. He said, somewhere out coming through one of those sparsely settled places along the side of the road, he could see way down the road, and he saw this car, and this little couple, uh, two people, were having trouble with their car. And so he just pulled over behind them on the shoulder of the road and got out and offered his assistance to help them, whether it was gas or whatever it was that they needed. He was able to help them and put them back on the road. The interesting thing was he found out that they were from Kentucky, right here. Not only that, they were from the city of Louisville. And he was amazed that they were from Kentucky and from the city of Louisville and found them out there broken down on the highway 1,200 miles from nowhere or 1,000 miles away from home. Said they wanted to pay him. He said, no. He says, I'm a fellow traveler, too, from the state of Kentucky, and I'm headed back home, too. And so we'll go together and see that we get home. If you have any more trouble, I'll help you and, and be with you, and you can do the same for me. Of course, he had this new home, no problem about that at all. But, folks, I want to tell you, when you know who you are and what you are and what God's called you to be, you see, you can take time. Isn't it not so? Is it not so that you and I are not home yet? We're not home yet. We're on our way. Now let's be kind and considerate and helpful and loving. Extend a hand to one another so that together you and I be able to make it back where God would have us to be. Oh, our Father, may we be truly thy children and may we truly know at this instant and at this moment where our eternal home really is. For we ask it in the name of Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening. Hope you were blessed. We pray the Holy Spirit will make you a doer of His words, finishing the work He started in making you more like Christ for the transformation of this world and preparation for heaven. 